Well, Kevin, let, let me introduce you. You're the Applications Project Manager with NES Global Talent. Do you want to give us a bit of background on what your role entails? Yeah, for sure. Uh, kind of kind of clues in the job title, really, but basically look after most of the main applications, system applications at NES, particularly those that involve the uh, front office, the, the recruitment side, the operational side of the business. So, for example, our main ATS system, any associated systems that fall off the ATS, have looked after the timesheet system, implemented the timesheet system, uh, some time ago, so uh, and obviously at the forefront of looking at various new technologies and systems that may or may not be of interest to NES. And uh, how did you get into that? Oh, I've been project managing, uh, particularly on the IT side of things, for many, many years, Steve. So prior to NES, a number of years self-employed. Prior to that, um, police force, a lot of interesting uh, challenges from a systems point of view there. And prior to that, sort of a lot of public sector bodies in the UK. So I've always been a project manager, more or less since I left university and um, always been involved in the IT side of things. What areas of IT tend to interest you the most? Well, it's kind of changed over the years. So, for example, originally my specialism, if you like, of IT was sort of around HR and payroll systems. And quite a number of full cycle uh, implementations of systems, uh, again, with different organizations. So I was specifically interested in the, the area of systems at, at that point. I think these days on from an IT perspective, I think it's much more a case of uh, looking at the, the, the side of automations, the things that, if you like, make life easier or should make life easier. Uh, for the people I'm working for, for the uh, guys I'm working for, and again, whether that was in, in the police force not so long ago, whether that's here at NES, supporting recruiters and the, and the front office uh, side type of activities. It's really those sort of things that make an impact on, on the business as a whole. So let, if we just come away from the, the tech, because I, I, I want to go back to that later. As NES, you're, you're obviously high-volume recruiters. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a mixture, actually, Steve. I think that the, we're, we're high volume across the group because we are obviously a, a global organisation. But uh, one, I think one of the challenges we have at NES is that we 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 although we're primarily engineering type of vacancies, we carry a mixture of vacancies and roles we uh, recruit to. So um, a lot of those roles may be high volume in terms of the responses, in terms of the number of roles we have for them. But we do have a lot of um, uh, much more clique type roles, um, uh, very specialist roles, which are difficult to fill, difficult to recruit for, a bit rarer. And what sort of percentage breakdown would you put between the um, the, the high volume versus others? You know, actually, it's a really difficult question to answer, mainly again by the nature of the organisation. So, for yep. example, one might be high volume in one geographical location for one role, but that very same role in another geographical uh, location, applicants might be 10 a penny. So it's difficult to say uh, certain roles in oil and gas are, are, are sort of uh, very uh, difficult to fill for, uh, but equally in other sectors as we've diversified into other areas and other uh, parts of uh, recruitment. You, you will always come across particular roles, but you, that normally they're roles that are related to the discipline, related to the ge- geography, the location, that suddenly become really, really difficult to find applicants for. What would you describe then as the, the biggest challenges that you're, you're facing in uh, sourcing candidates at the moment? 
Well, I think that fits into what we were just talking about, Steve, because again, we, we've a lot of roles that are difficult to find applicants for. So obviously that in itself is a challenge. Yep. Uh, but conversely, we have a lot of roles where we, where we inundated with applicants and the challenge there is really uh, sifting through the numbers uh, to hone in on, on the top quality guys. I mean, there's just some roles we just get so many applicants for. We just can't possibly uh, review every single CV in detail. So that, that becomes quite a, a problem. So in, in, when you look at the, those two areas, you've got feast famine simultaneously. Absolutely. And individual recruiters handling vacancies that are, are both fit both of those scenarios. So what, what tools have you found that help address? If we focus more on the volume, what, mm-hmm. what tools are you using currently to, to tackle those issues? Well, basically, obviously using our main ATS system, which we're using Bullhorn, uh, we've always taken a view uh, with Bullhorn that our focus is on uh, quality uh, rather than quantity. So rather than just flush um, lots and lots of applicants from different roles into Bullhorn, we do try and uh, make sure that those guys we're pushing into the ATS are of, a, of quality and likely either to be used now or in a future role. So that's a, a kind of a process type approach to um, uh, managing the situation. I think we've also uh, dabbled with a number of the uh, search tools that are on the marketplace. So, for example, uh, we've used Daxtra. We're currently looking at TextKernel. These tools that were really not only save time in terms of turfing up or, or, or presenting the appropriate uh, candidates, but actually perform much more of a quality side of it. So they're not just... We're not just inputting Boolean searches anymore, looking for people. We're actually looking for uh, systems like TextKernel to present not only people who are suitable, but actually ranking them in the, in the appropriate order of suitability so we can uh, filter through our main most appropriate persons. So generally, that's probably one tool we've used quite uh, extensively, and we're still sort of dabbling in that, in that side of things. Can you give any rough figure ratios of the amount of applicants that you're getting in uh, versus the placement when you're talking about, uh, you know, our fee scenario where you've got way too many applicants for the role. The yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, it's difficult to vary. It's difficult to specify on a, on even an individual role, but role by role basis, but it's not unusual to take account of an average role, whatever an average role is to have somewhere in the region of, uh, maybe a thousand applicants, a uh, thousand applicants plus, wow. uh, down to, I mean, if you think about the tools at the moment, that's not totally surprising because apart from job boards, our own ATS and LinkedIn, often certain jobs you put on LinkedIn, they, they, they alone can attract 500, 600 applicants to that particular role. So a thousand plus at the end of it is not unusual at all if you've advertised the same role on the various uh, uh, job boards. So a thousand plus, obviously, often down to trying to find the single nugget to fill that uh, vacancy. And, and Kevin, what's your opinion on edge filtering? Because if, for example, you use landing pages to edge filter, do you think it's possible to weed out time wasters using edge filtering and automated rejection depending on questions answered? Or do you get worried about the bounce rates associated with landing pages? Yeah, I think I think two things. I think anything that we're, we're faced with, we're, we're faced in a bit of a catch-22. You obviously would kind of like a smaller amount of applicants uh, of a higher quality. But the more 
you give people to do, those higher quality applicants to do in terms of making their application, then the, 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 the higher likelihood there is, I think, that people will drop out the process. And I think that the, the risk that we worry about is that people who are the real quality guys who can probably get a job easier than other people, they're the most likely to drop out as opposed to other uh, jobs where there might be a single click to apply for it. So we do worry about the dropout. We also worry about the um, responses that people put on these uh, landing pages or filtering questions. So, uh, for example, we've used qualifying questions before on on uh, particular job boards, and you you might uh, a simple qualifying question might well be, you know, are you uh, do you have work rights in the country of where this uh, vacancy is based? We find there's still an awful lot of people who will answer yes just because they know that will get their CV potentially in front of the recruiter as opposed to uh, screening them out. So we certainly have dabbled with them, but I think we we are suspicious about the the effect that could have or worried about the effect that could have. And what what investigations have you done into technology that you can bring in to help filter candidates? Have you, you, do you have any insights there? Um, I think most recently, again, some of the uh, searching technologies we've we've looked at that I've mentioned, they 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 are, I think, getting more sophisticated. So they they will not only um, they they will do a lot of that sourcing based on a CV. We've also looked at uh, some of the chatbot technology and some of the screening technology. So we considered, for example, with certain roles, whether we should uh, deploy. Uh, some sort of chatbot to uh, talk through a guy through the initial application stages, uh, qualifying answers. Uh, one thing or another, we've seen we've seen chatbot technology that will allow a guy to, you know, if one of your questions is you need to have a, um, a certificate for a particular to carry out this role, a certificate in a particular qualification, allow the guy to attach it there and then. Uh, before the recruiter even uh, gets involved. So we've certainly dabbled in some of this technology. I think we're a long way off uh, getting it right in terms of uh, getting to the final result on it. The only thing with when you look at the uh, chatbot tech, what I've seen so far, far is that do you not have the same issue that you might have with landing pages? People can fake their answers. Um, I mean, a, a non-intelligent chatbot is essentially a more palatable way to get through a long form you're still being asked for the various questions that might appear on the form but the chatbot um gives them to you sequentially i think you probably you probably have got a fair point uh with regard to that i think our, our experiences our limited experience with chatbot though do show us that the response rates are are, are pretty good you know if the guy has submitted an application and then within a couple of minutes is engaged on the chatbot then yeah. and they can typically do that on their phone or, or whatever that response rates are pretty pretty good so i think the the view of web pages is that it, actually Stephen, some of the really good chatbot stuff we've seen it, it's it's not 100 percent black and white initially that the guy for a guy that he is engaging with a chatbot depends on the level of sophistication that it's set up to be honest yes it's interesting. I, I, it's interesting that you get the application in, and then once the application's through into the system, you can do more analysis on top of it. So you get you, you mm. say thanks very much for the application. Now let's talk to you a bit more. Mm. As you're saying, it, at least for the first part of the conversation, the applicant might be unaware that they're not talking to a human. 
whether yeah. how I'm not saying that's that. always the case. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's always the case, Steve. But I certainly, in, in some experiences, um, for, for example, um, if you just weigh up the responses to chatbots vis-a-vis your, you may send out an initial email asking for some more information. I think that the, the chatbot stuff, the response rates are much higher than uh, sending up a follow-up email to somebody. Can you give me a bit more info? You know what I mean. In, in our previous conversations, you'd also mentioned about video interviewing. How have you looked to implement that? Yeah, we've actually got a video uh, platform in place now. We're not taking a kind of dictatorial approach to uh, video interviewing. I think we're using it more on the uh, for the benefits of the clients yes. uh, and our clients who uh, there are those clients who, for example, want to just not sure whether they want to go through the logistics of a, a first interview with a guy. They, they, they think he looks okay on on paper, but we'd just like them to answer five or six questions on a video just so they can get that feel for whether he's really got that, that deeper understanding. We've used that on a number of occasions now to, uh, in most cases, very positive effect, i.e., the guy undertaking the video interview, you know, and uh, from the point of the client asking us to do it, the guy uh, undertaking that interview, uh, we turned around the actual face-to-face interview in no time at all. Um, so most of most of all, very well. We also think from our point of view, it's a very powerful tool in terms of winning retained business, um, actually having it in your arsenal, in your portfolio to say to a client that we've got this. Uh, for some clients, it just won't work. You know, it's not suitable. But for other clients, it's a potential big tip. Mm, interesting. So more, more for, more on the marketing side, almost to the clients, the client pitch as a complete service you offer insights into your candidate yeah. without having to get directly in front of them. Yeah. We're certainly increasing, increasingly being asked. Uh, whether we we provide that uh, functionality and therefore by implication I'm quite happy to promote the fact that we do provide it. Uh, we won a, uh, a bid just recently, okay, for a number of reasons, obviously, but the bid, part of that bid and the client made a very specific point of our capability of doing, being able to do uh, video interviewing in initial as part of that initial screening for them that we, we could share, et cetera. While we're on the topic of uh, sourcing candidates, uh, as much as it's one of those four-letter acronyms that I think most people prefer not to talk about anymore, how how has GDPR affected your sourcing and uh, engagement (laughs) strategies? We don't Uh, have to mention that, but (laughs) post post (laughs) that thing, um, how are you feeling and and what what are the negatives, what are the positives? Yeah, I've, I mean, my, my, my gut feel is really that hasn't changed anything to do with our, our sourcing and engagement strategy. I think it's more just sort of reinforced us in terms of what we should always be doing. Uh, we, our privacy and data retention policies, for example, we'll make yes. them far more uh, available to people. So if we, for example, pick up applicants or candidates from a job board and we end up putting them onto our um, ATS system, we'll make sure they get site and visibility of uh, our, our, our privacy policy, um, and they'll have a, a, every opportunity uh, to respond to that. That might not have always been so visible or as visible as it needed to be in the past. So, so it's a change more in in our process, our, our general processing, rather than our ability to source and engage with people. In fact, you could argue, Steve, that GDPR will um, 
help us on the whole engagement piece because our view is now that um, records that haven't been contacted or, or, or candidates that haven't been contacted for a period of time, we'll, we'll probably just remove them from the database by default, encouraging our uh, recruiters to use whatever means they've got to uh, stay engaged with, with candidates. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot positive from it. We've um, mm. improved our improved our systems as well. We've had people, there's been just a, a small handful of people that wanted to execute their, their right to be forgotten. Thanks to mm-hmm. GDPR, we, we've got all those processes in place. So there have been some plus mm-hmm. sides, uh, sides and um, I have noticed less spam in my inbox and that, that's got to be a good thing. <laughs> uh, most definitely about the spam, I would um, totally agree with you um, on that point. And, and again, at NES, from our point of view, you know, we will make it, we've made it far more uh, transparent and easy for a guy to say, look, you know, I'd rather just come off your list. I would rather don't hold details at all. I'd rather exercise my right to erasure. And I think from our point of view, it's more or less uh, just having slick processes uh, uh, to allow people to do that. Yeah, we, I mean, we, it obviously applies to all systems outside recruitment. We, we've used it in our sales CRM, for example, and looking at these contacts that we've had for donkey's years and sales CRMs and go, right, well, time to say goodbye. And it's a good thing mm. because you have a lot less to focus on and, and you make sure that the contacts you're working on are active and, and uh, engaged mm. with you. So there is, you know, getting rid of um, the dead wood is a good thing. But business business as usual, really, a slight feeling. I thought it was a slight feeling of Y2K as we went through the, the date and, and everyone I agree. went on as normal, which which is good. Yeah, I agree. But uh yeah, we will we will see. I guess it's a working process and we'll we'll I haven't I've well, I've definitely re- received emails from a few people. I've looked at the looked at them and thought, "Wow, you're you're clearly unaware of the changes in the law given what you <laughs> send me." But anyway, I I, I wish them the best. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, before we close out, could we go into any kind of experimental technologies? Um Views on AI. Mm. Any areas that you'd, you'd like to go into that interest you? Don't have to be directly related to what you're doing with NES. But as a technologist, mm. you know what? Mm. What do you find interesting right now? I think the um, uh, the whether it's in recruitment or, or or any technology, any any websites. I think the whole ability to be guided around websites is a big thing again with we're, we're, we're honing in on, on, on chatbots and, and navigational tools and and for a guy to you know for to visit a website for that website to know in a much quicker uh, quicker slicker way what i'm looking for to point me in the right direction to land me on the right pages obviously if you trans transfer that to uh, what we do on in recruitment there's an obvious correlation and, uh, and and a similar type thing we try and do on our own website that type of technology that will almost say yeah i know a bit about you i know um i know what you what you're typically looking for i know what you're trying to achieve i can save you time here i can get you from a to b that much quicker so that that type of uh, navigational uh, type aid uh, i'm particularly interested in again both work and, and from a personal perspective I think the idea of AI in relation to, again, I hate to keep harping back to the chatbot type thing, but you know, we, I think we see it as far more 
AO chatbot will get far more sophisticated and ramp up its capabilities. And I think yeah, from again my 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 present job and and yes, what we want to do, we've touched about keeping people engaged and having tools that can keep people engaged. Well, you know, you can't ring up people, a database of a half a million or a million people regularly and, and, and keep in touch with them. But, you know, again, using the technology as a way of keeping people uh, engaged, warm, fuzzy, whatever, um, I think is really interesting and something to work on. Um, blockchains, something else, uh, which is interesting, relatively new, something people seem particularly wary of at the moment, uh, the whole block blockchain uh, paths and uh, activities associated there, I think, are, are going to be big. What ramifications for recruitment industry do you see as a consequence of using blockchain tech? Yeah, still thinking it through, really, still exploring this. I was talking to someone quite recently about it. I see areas of potentially uh, uh, verifying and onboarding, being a big tool in onboarding people, verifying their, their work history, their qualifications, rather than have to go through the hoop you have to jump you at the moment to, to get verification type things. I'm wondering if there, there's potential to sort of really uh, uh, use blockchains as a way of quickly sorting out that type of uh, onboarding information. Yeah, public ledger systems are very interesting in terms of trans- mm. transparency of um, work histories. Mm. Mm. Exactly. That- the work history one is an obvious one, isn't it, for, for the recruitment industry? Yeah, and, uh, you know, combining it with um, I think other areas are going to be candidates then having the ability to decide who their data gets shared with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, exactly. You know, that, that, that level of control will be interesting in recruitment. Yeah, I think so, most certainly. Yeah, it, it reverses the whole current GDPR rather than right to be forgotten where you've got a contact center. <laughs> you, just, you just choose who's allowed yeah. access to your data. It's an interesting model. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Watch this space. Well, where can people, how can people get in touch with you, Kevin, and how can people find out more about NES? Uh, basically, uh, usual types of vehicles. And certainly, I'm available on LinkedIn. More than happy for anyone to uh, hook up who wants to hook up and have a, have a chat about anything, whether it's industry-related or not. Uh, can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, NES, uh, visit our website anytime you want. That's nesgt.com. Uh, Certainly a lot of good information. Some of the things we're up to on there. And obviously, email me directly. If no problem with that at all. Great. Can you give out your email address? I certainly can. That's kevin.mcgrath uh, at nesgt.com. Great. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for your time and thanks for taking out time to talk to us. Most appreciated. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Steve. Cheers. Cheers.